Welcome back to Hoopsville, the Mock Selection Show, the Selection Sunday special. Not Just a reminder, men's selections will officially be announced at 12.30 Eastern time on NCAA.com and D3Hoops.com. I hope you like this set. You're going to get used to seeing me in this set, and I apologize to you all now. The women's selections will be at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. We will do the mock selections for women coming up when we are done with the men. Uh, we still have one more men's coach to talk to. Emerson's Bill Curry will join us. Um, talk about his team's first NUMAC title and some other things, including what he learned from Jim Brown and what he has found is different about Division Three. Some of us in Division Three will not find that surprising. Our mock selection crew has been hard at work or hardly working. It's up for debate on what they've been doing or not doing as uh, we bring them back in. We have made some selections, gentlemen. We'll get to those in a minute. If you're looking for our famous graphics, uh, bear with us. You will see them shortly. Last team we had into the tournament was the 12th selection out of the Atlantic region. It was New Jersey City. And gentlemen, we had to uh, do some tap dancing because breaking news, LaRoche lost. Penn State yeah, Barron with that another was... upset in a conference tournament. LaRoche hadn't lost a game all season, correct, Mike, in the conference? Absolutely. They had uh, 18-0 in a regular season. Uh, you know, uh, All those guys, Coach Carmichael, those guys done a great job. But it just shows you, you know, the uh, – the fickle nature of conference tournament play and, uh, you know, uh, one bad 40 minutes uh, or, or not, not a bad 40 minutes, but the wrong 40 minutes or, or a hot team at the right time. Uh, or can, waiting four hours because of a, of a that, power outage. That's who. Uh, by the way, the answer, the trivia question, which two teams went undefeated in conference play and didn't win their AQ. Actually, there isn't one. That's the only one I had. I was joking. Uh, Augustana and Oshkosh were the closest that came there, but uh, they couldn't pull off the regular season uh, item that uh, that LaRoche did. Now, LaRoche is going to sit at the table, but first, gentlemen, really quickly about what we think, or, you know, how, how the last couple of picks went. Yeah, the last pick we made was New Jersey City, and if you recall, we were debating with Capital, and so we, we very quickly went right back to Capital at pick 13 at that 741 winning percentage, 546 SOS, and 6-4. and four. We picked Capital at 13, and round 14 is where we started talking about MIT's really strong winning percentage of 846, coupled with the 555 SOS. Uh, they do have just the one uh, RRO, but we felt good about that combination of winning percentage and SOS, and we put MIT in at 14, and then we actually continued on to 15, and uh, our selection there was Plattsburgh State. They had another kind of one of these balanced resumes, 760, 531. We liked the six and six in terms of the RRO. And we are sitting on the board at 16 at this point. I'll refresh the pool C list so everyone can see this, but we're uh, making that pick at round 16 now. Yeah, so the last three being Capital, MIT, and Plattsburgh. They're on your screen above my lovely head. If you're watch listening on the podcast, thanks. Um, wish you could see it. The uh, at-the-table teams now sit uh, below our Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville hotline graphic. By the way, I want to really thank our Blue Frame Technology partners for joining us with us this season. So we've got eight teams at the table. From the Atlantic, it's represented by Ramapo. From Central, it's represented by Wheaton. From the East, it is Brockport. From the Great Lakes, <laughs> LaRoche. From the Mid-Atlantic, it is Salisbury. From New England, it is Middlebury. From the South, it is Center. And from the West, it is Whitworth. And in just my own ideas, and we will look at this down the road, I have a feeling there's at least a couple of teams on this section 
That will never come off the board, but we will dive into that as we are at pick number 16. And we should point out there are 21 to make. So in other words, we're coming down the nitty-gritty here, and we may be diving into other criteria as well. Where do we sit, gentlemen? Um, what, are, what are your thoughts? We can get at least one pick, maybe two quickly done before we take another break. Just to clarify, we just said, I think, 20 pool C's, right, Dave? 20, I'm sorry, 20. Pool? I was thinking 21 total at so large. You're right, 20. Five, so we're... Yeah, we have five to make. And if you look at the board, there's some really strong resumes. So yeah. um, the, the LaRoche thing is really interesting because what, what's happened now is you look at their winning percentage, uh, which is great. It's phenomenal. Their SOS, 502. In this world, that's terrible. Uh, the 0-1 the, the in this world is terrible. They're going to block here. Now, they may get in late in our process. Like, it'd have to be 19 or 20. They're going to block the rest of the Great Lakes. So Mount, yep. Union, Mount Union is pretty much done. Uh, that's a big impact. And LaRoche, we will set them aside for a few rounds. But I think, as I look at that resume, ooh, that's going to have to be a late pick. If, if picked at all. Yeah, I think if you are a Great Lakes fan of Min, of uh, Mount Union or others, you did not want to see LaRoche lose today. And this is what we be preach all the time, Ryan, is that mm. there are teams who are going to really throw a monkey wrench, not necessarily into just popping a bubble, but playing blocker. And LaRoche is now playing blocker in this region. Well, yeah. the, the real conversation is, is um, does the, the committee's having to have this conversation as, as we are right now, right? Because this game just ended 15 minutes ago, 10 minutes ago. Would you, would you entertain Mount Union being regionally ranked ahead of LaRoche? Because I think Mount Union has a chance in Pool C. Um, 786, 513, 5-4 RRO versus LaRoche. I mean, I think we first have to make sure that we think LaRoche is regionally ranked ahead of Mount Union. I think the, it's a fair argument. My only thought is if LaRoche was really in that much trouble or Mount Union was that much better, I think LaRoche would have been further down the rankings to begin with. Uh, I think that win-loss percentage has been, has been holding them up. Granted, one loss against that's going to hurt, but they also picked up other data this week to help keep it up you know, above the, the uh, wherever they are. So in my opinion, I think in this new world, as it were, without the metric that the men are using, I think to some degree LaRoche kind of stays where they are. I don't think necessarily Mount Union comes up to play. But I think it's a, it's a good thing to have a quick conversation about. I, I just don't think Mount Union's SOS is that much higher or high enough to, to put them over LaRoche. You're right. It would have to be the RRO. And I guess it just comes down to this. In the last Great Lakes ranking, these numbers were basically the same, right? Relatively speaking. Relatively, LaRoche, yes. LaRoche was ranked ahead of Mount Union. LaRoche's numbers last week were 920, 501, 0 1. Mount Union was 800, 507, 4 and 2. If they ranked LaRoche ahead of Mount Union last week, I don't know what would have changed looking at these numbers. Relatively, they seem the same. Well, and I'll just point out something that Sam mentioned earlier this year that I wanted to take note of was the non-conference SOS. Um, Mount Union's non-conference SOS is 431. LaRoche's is 537. If you're looking at who they had the chance to play, Mount Union played conference opponents and didn't really do anything out of conference. And I think that also makes a difference, too. 
There's another dynamic that's similar to this, a um, little different numbers, in Center versus Washington and Lee in the South. I view Washington and Lee as a stronger national Pool C candidate than Center. Now, we'll see when we get to that conversation with Center. We really haven't talked about them yet, but um, the, the order of the regional rankings, that's why from the first ranking, this is so critical. The, the way they're stacked up, because you can't get to the table for conversation if you're if you're stuck behind someone that never gets picked. Yep. That is that is the the I mean the nuts and the bolts of it sometime and 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 again as Pat said you can't cash in your your losses now against that SOS either. So at spot 16 though which is where we are I think what we decided off off the air was that we weren't ready to talk about Whitworth yet due to the one RRO. We weren't ready to talk about center yet. We seem to be zeroing in on Middlebury, Salisbury, and Wheaton. You've got some similar resumes between Wheaton and Salisbury. And then you've got Middlebury with a phenomenal SOS. Um, To me, I think that's where we were. Those three teams is who we were debating between. Yeah. Yeah, go just the data is on the bottom. We'll just remind everybody for Wheaton nineteen and eight with a seven hundred four, an SOS of a five seventy four, a VRRO of four five. Um, Salisbury's nineteen and eight, seven and four, same data. SOS is a hairline better at five seventy five, and they're four in sevens. They took two more losses than Wheaton did against regionally ranked opponents. And we should point out the CAC taking advantage. I think of an interesting mid-Atlantic where the uh, some teams moved out. There was some shuff- shuffling around. The CAC got ranked pretty well this year in those rankings. I don't know how much that helps Salisbury. And then who's, a, who's our third? In Middlebury. Middlebury, 17-7, and 7, 708, with a 601 SOS, 4-5 and five versus regionally ranked opponents. And this is also about the time I think it's starting to worth making sure we're looking at head-to-head games, if any of exist. Make sure we look at comparable opponents, should any of them have played similar opponents. That's how Plattsburgh got in. Remember, we were debating them between them and MIT and they had beaten MIT this season. Them and Middlebury. Middlebury. Correct. They had beaten Middlebury, which we felt gave them the, uh, the nod there. So that, and I think we got to start looking into the secondary and the non-conference SOS is going to be an important factor there as well. So I'm going to bring this up. I know we aren't using the 0.03 to two win. No, we're not Ryan anymore. I will take you off this call, Ryan. However, (laughs) if we were, Whitworth would be in this conversation. Yeah. I'm just going to mention that. Uh, Whitworth's problem, in my opinion, is that one and three. That three are all Whitman. Yeah, I agree agree that they should not be in this conversation because of that. By the way, who's their one? Who's their one? Yeah, who is that one? I can't. I got to look it up. I have the other right now. It might be Hopkins. Probably Hopkins. And they're bottom of the of the Mid Atlantic, which doesn't help them either. So they can't win against a team that's been at the top of the West. Yeah, if you look at they got one win against the bottom of the Mid Atlantic. Again, we have what five five picks to make, and you can start to see what pick number twenty is going to look like. And there's teams sitting here that like Whitworth is not in a great position. LaRoche is not in a great position at this point. I think the three teams we were looking at before, it seems like Middlebury is better in every, better or tied in every category. 708 is better than the 704s. 601 is way better. And four yeah. and five, to me, this is of those three. If those were our three, then this, then Middlebury seems like an easy choice right there. Well, 
doesn't Wheaton have a win over a pretty high-ranked team? Or in, Oshkosh. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, listen, we dive into those numbers. And Middlebury, I, I don't think they have as strong a win. <coughs> does that make sense? Yeah, does Middlebury have uh, an Oshkosh-type win is the question. Anyone that's got their resume? They don't. Um, they've beaten Hamilton and Williams. Those are their best wins in terms of rankings and they're three four four five something like that wheaton has the uh the best player in division three is that a criteria no 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 i'm sorry and you will be removed that, from the call i didn't see that in the handbook but <laughs> if, if we're picking based on a guy who can make step back fade away off balance threes then then Wheaton I, would be pick i i would kind of lean towards middlebury here too um despite that one win wheaton has i i still feel like the criteria that we are given, um, Middlebury is ahead of those two. Well, I let's, think, let's reverse yeah. engineer it too. What about the losses? Where where are Middlebury's regionally ranked losses? Now, some of them again, NESCAC opponents, but are some of those at the bottom of their region where and compared to where are Wheaton's? One one thing that to to think about in Wheaton's resume this is a, a tiny thing, but I think Chicago is going to fall off the board yeah. as a a central, which means one of Wheaton's losses is going to go away, right? One of those, uh, the, the four and five is probably more like four and four because Wash U or I think Chicago is going to fall out of the central. Um, but it, it includes last week's ranking. So if they were there last week, they'll still right, be counted. Week oh, yeah, yeah, three will point. stay in play. Good point. Okay. So anything is, of last week is good. So yeah. we're locked in there. Yeah. I, I just think guys, I mean, when I look at the numbers to me, Middlebury, and then I think we're going to come back and talk about Wheaton and Salisbury probably to have had that debate probably next. All right, so one more curveball. Non-conference SOS for Wheaton, it is a 6.09. For Middlebury, it's a 5.96. So in, what I'm looking at there is Wheaton went out there and challenged the heck out of each other. Not that, that Middlebury didn't, but interestingly enough, to some degree, Middlebury isn't helped by that number as much as Wheaton is. Their, their yeah. conference, surprisingly, Bob, is pulling their SOS in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. And, yes, we could talk about the, the NESCAC thing there, but Middlebury's got to go out there and schedule. What I talked to Coach Brown recently. What was it? 14 non-conference games. The thing, though, is that, you know, the uh... – the Northeast is a different animal in this process, and this is a good example of it. Is it seems like the Northeast teams just when they come to this process, they have so many things going in their favor in terms of the SOS and the RRO. Um, this is a, this is a great example. That four and five is a huge thing right now that we're discussing. Well, and that's why I'm wondering: Does Middlebury's five on the losses? How many of them are to teams that aren't very well ranked? Um, they lost to Plattsburgh. Okay. They lost to Keene State. They mm. lost to Swarthmore at oh, Swarthmore Amherst by two Tufts. points. And then Amherst, Tufts twice, and Wesleyan. Well, Wesleyan's at the bottom of the rankings. Well, and I guarantee it, and I don't have Wheaton's resume in front of me, but the problem with Wheaton is they lost to North Park, right? So they lost to... Uh, yeah, but that's not uh, technically in the criteria. No, but I'm just saying, if, we're looking, if we're looking whole resumes... 
Wheaton has had a little inconsistency in those those wins that Ryan just mentioned for Middle Bear. Those are those are some good or good opponents, I should say, good opponents. Yeah. Um, so again, I think here's how I'm looking at this. I'm looking at it that Wheaton's going to we're going to pick Wheaton here at some point uh, because we have five picks left. If we're making a decision right here between the two, I still keep coming back to the Middlebury between the two or the three of them seems to be the best pick. Mike, you've been silent. Yeah, uh, obviously this is uh, this is one of those decisions that you know uh, on the regional ranking committee. You know, uh, a lot of times, and and I think this process uh, bears it out is. You know, the first couple picks are always, you know, pretty self-explanatory. And then, you know, you spend uh, the vast majority of your call trying to, trying to you know, uh, split hairs amongst some really, really outstanding teams. Uh, I'm leaning more towards uh, Middlebury myself. Uh, the 601 winning percentage, or excuse me, uh, 601 SOS uh, really kind of sticks out to me. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, I think that's one thing that that does kind of differentiate them amongst the primary, uh, can't you know amongst the primary criteria uh, of the three teams that are are most strongly being considered right now. And so, uh, again, you know, I agree with Bob. I think a lot of the, the guys that were in discussion right now are probably coming off the board, uh, you know, at some point very very near future. But uh, right now, I'm leaning toward in this round. I'm leaning towards Middlebury myself on on the basis of this of the SOS. We all said Middlebury. Mr. CCIW says it's not Wheaton. I think we should go with that. <laughs> hey, don't worry, Wheaton fans. You're getting it. Trust me. Oh, <laughs> look at you, man. It's, not, it's, not, it's just not at round. See, this is why you shouldn't be involved in a call when a, when a, a CCIW team's involved. Listen, well, they're I'm, removing Mike Shower when Wheaton's at the table. Maybe we I'm, should be removing you. Right, but but I'm I'm actually advocating against them in this case, I so I think I'm earning my worth. As yeah, but then you went and promised to fans that they would be getting in. I I don't know about this. They're getting in, Dave. Spot <laughs> seventeen, spot eighteen. Just stay tuned. All right, so that's seventeen and seven. We're going to put Middlebury in to the sixteen spot with seventeen coming up. We make that official now. I think it's a good time. Speaking of the Northeast, to probably go to our next segment. So we'll take a break. We will continue to hash out and get some more done. Emerson men's basketball into the dance. Congratulations. First win in the new Mac title. And they're under a coach who had you you need to listen to this interview. This is a man who got drafted to play in division one or uh, recruited drafted into the NBA. What he says about playing in a small building will surprise you. You listen to Hoopsville, the selection Sunday special here on D three hoops.com. Thanks to the WBCA and ABC. Blue Frame Technology, City of Salem, City of Fort Wayne, University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, and Randolph-Macon. Thanks to our advertisers. Back with more after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. 
UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. Back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Selection Sunday. We continue to make selections. We are 16 deep into the men's. We will hopefully bang out a, a bunch of more picks here when you get to listen to Emerson's Bill, coach, Bill Curley, here in a moment, and then we can wrap things up. Women's selections still to come. We're running a little bit behind. We'll try and pick up our pace a bit. 20 selections to be fully made, and we'll bring our crew back in a moment. But in the meantime, Emerson has won its first new MAC title in forever. That's how we ended up talking about MIT in part, getting into the uh, NCAA tournament as an at-large. But their coach has a D1 background. Why he and his former coach and former boss, Jim O'Brien, have learned a lot at Emerson. We talked to him earlier today. It's an interview worth listening to. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Lions of Emerson. It is Bill Curley. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, thanks for having me. And congratulations. Um, I, I would say that I think we should have seen this coming. I know 16 and 11 isn't going to blow anybody away, and 9 and 5 in conference may have people going, oh, okay. But you did beat MIT back on, on the 9th of January. We saw a close game with Brandeis. We saw you beat Babson by three in late January. We saw you play tight games with WPI, including a win in, in February. I feel like, yes, there were some losses that shook shook some heads maybe, but there were some wins in there that should have told us this was possible. I think it was um, – we started the year with, with, with a really uh, young team. I think we, we were relying heavily on, on four, uh, four new freshmen coming into the team, and we, we do have a, a two great players returning in Jeff Gray and, and Jack O'Connor that can really score and fill up the stat sheets. But we were going to have – we were going to be really young, and it was going to depend on how quick our, our young guys could, could – um, 
step up and get used to playing at this level. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, up and down season, but you also didn't shy away. By the way, played Boston U to start things off. I mean, you really went off with a bang. <laughs> you really put the, the bar up there. But you also took on the, the, the schools like St. Thomas, um, obviously Amherst and Tufts. Again, Brandeis, who's kind of a retooled team, plus the conference. It really felt like you guys challenged yourselves. Oh, well, we, we, we play in a great conference. Uh, the, the new MAC, having Babson win the national title a couple years ago, and MIT and Springfield being to the, to the Final Four and getting close there, that, that we, we think we have a, a heck of a conference to compete in. And, and to really to get ready for conference play, we feel we have to, to challenge ourselves. And, and we've kind of gone into a looking that, you know, the only way we're getting into the tournament from, from where we are, have been was, was to win our new MAC championship mm-hmm. and get that bid. So we wanted to challenge ourselves and hopefully peak by the end of the season. And um, the, the, the stars aligned and our kids worked really hard and just so proud of how of the, the, the effort and the commitment and the dedication that they, they've given to the team. You talk about the youth of this team. You're led by a senior in Jeffrey Gray. You've only got one other senior on the roster, though, he's played seven games. Then it's a junior in Jack O'Connor. By the way, both of them identical, 20.3 uh, points a game for uh, Gray and O'Connor. Uh, Gray also pulling in 9.2 rebounds and O'Connor 6.2, and they both throw the ball around to their teammates uh, just as successfully. But then it's a freshman in Waterhouse, Houston, Martin, McLean that are your next four scorers starting with Waterhouse at 16.5. So while you've got a little bit of that leadership, it really feels like a youth movement. Uh, it definitely is, and and the, 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 I can't say enough about Jeff Gray's leadership with these guys. I mean, he's been a 2010 guy for the last two years playing in this conference. He's only like six one, and he just plays so hard, and he puts such a great effort into into it. And it's it's not just okay, I'm going to show up and play. I mean, he puts time into it. Um, out of season and all that, it's all on him. He has like a 3.8 GPA, so he's getting it done in the classroom and off. Mm. Kids have just kind of gravitated the, the, this freshman class, and, and with Jared Houston, a big 6.10 kid in the middle, that that's really set the tone for us rebounding wise, and, and not like just letting us get bullied at the basket like we had in the years past. Um, and and Waterhouse and, and Trevor McLean and and Nate Martin's defense is just incredible. They all complement each other really well, and that they're able to get up and down and cover multiple positions and and make some passing and and hit some shots. So it makes it pretty easy as a coach just to to let these guys go out and play. What's interesting is you only go about eight deep. Um, you've got a, a, a sizable roster, but you've played eight players in every single, well, almost every single game this year. Nate Martin hasn't has played in twenty two of the twenty seven, but it's still part of that grouping you might go to nine but that's about where you go i we asked earlier on another interview does it almost feels like maybe the ncaa tournament could help you because media timeouts might be your friend i think our guys our guys really committed to getting themselves in great shape and and we have a, another junior ben ben holden that that's given us great minutes in the middle as well and he's very he can go inside and outside so it gives us some flexibility but our guys i mean jeff gray i can't speak enough of how hard this kid works, and he's dragging kids into the weight room, and and the freshmen started calling him. So, so it's it's just been a domino effect, and I really feel our kids are in tremendous shape. And you know, we kind of don't like the uh, the media timeouts because we feel it allows hmm. the other teams to, to to retool a bit. You know, yeah, we we we're in tremendous shape, and this yeah, it's nice for us, but but I think it helps the other teams with. Um, <clears throat> with with having that 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 four minute break, fascinating. That's that's great insight. I appreciate that. 
what is it about this? And we talked about the youth, but what is it about the team that's got them rolling right now? Uh, again, you've won three in a row, uh, six of your last seven. Your one loss coming to Babson in what I would probably chalk up to as one of those youth games where it didn't work out for you guys. But he wins over Coast Guard, Springfield, and WPI to get the title. Uh, prior to that, it was wins over Springfield, Clark, and WPI as part of that as well. What's what's clicking right now? I, I think, again, it's just we, we talked all year that there's different stages in the season. And, and having these guys so young, I don't think they really value the, how important it is on the defensive end. And, and we've just been really harping on that, that you got to learn to communicate with each other. And it starts on the defensive end. And, and um, I think our defense is just they're, – they're, they're, they're working a lot better together now. We're starting to click in there. They're just that the effort – and their their attention to detail has just been tremendous these last two weeks, and they they really are communicating, and they've they've gotten better as the year has gone along, and and it's been been such a, a pleasure to coach, and so much fun this season for for us as coaches. I'd love to talk a little bit about your background because you were the associate head coach under Jim O'Brien, who has been basically you've been attached to some degree for a, for a long time. You played under him at Boston College um, before you went on to an NBA career. Um, drafted first round with, by the Spurs and having a seven-year career. Then you got it, you know, you come back to some degree and now you're at Emerson with your former coach as his associate. And then you took over, now in your fourth year as head coach. How has that all evolved? What did you learn from from Jim O'Brien and and, and whatnot that, is, that has led to where you are now with this program? I, I can't say enough for Coach O'Brien. Obviously, I've known him since I've been in high school when he was recruiting me and and he taught me so much and, and helped me grow up into to a to a, a functioning citizen and in, in, in the adult adult world and, and show taught me so much basketball and, and whatnot and you know, taught me how to play and how to how to taught me as a player how to be a good guy, a good player. Mm-hmm. And then I was coaching in high school when he took this Emerson job, he's like, Oh, why don't you come over? <laughs> And uh, I said, well, here's a guy that's won a, won a Big East title, a Big Ten title, has been to the Final Four. You know, let me sit next to him and see what else I can learn from him. And, and it was just, I can't believe how much more I learned from him hmm. sitting on the other side of, of, the, of the bench with him, um, on the other side of the lines versus playing. And, and he just, I can't speak enough. I, I am where I am today because of him. And, and he's he's lives like five minutes from campus, so he's at a lot of the games. And I still lean heavily on him, and, and he's just he's an incredible coach and, and a, a better person and so fortunate to, to, to have such a great relationship with him. You mentioned all his accolades and certainly his success, and you're part of that to, to a large degree. I am curious, though, what have you and maybe him learned or experienced at Division Three that has maybe shown it's it's a – bigger challenge than you expected or the the challenge at Emerson is different. I don't know what to exactly ask there because it's not a rubber stamp. And I think a lot of people don't always appreciate that. No. Well, well, first of all, it's just our first practice together, you know, it's okay. We're we're ready. We're going to do this. And then it's like, we get down there. It's like, we forgot to pump up the basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Yeah. That's got to be done. (laughs) So yeah, it, it was, it was, kind of funny with that then there's other things you know that the whole academic piece where it's it's just such a main factor Mm -hmm. where you know before it was like okay 
this is when we're practicing and get your classes around. And, and you know, our first year we're like we're practicing at at, at seven in the morning, at, at four o'clock one day, at eight o'clock another day, and it's just so that we can work around the kids' classes. So it was definitely. Uh, an eye-opening and a different change and that the academics is not that it's not important elsewhere but at this level you know this is what they're going to school for Mm -hmm. and you know we're accommodating them to so that they can achieve what they need to in the classroom and then you know give them a a two-hour break during the day to 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 just release himself and focus on a little basketball and get some exercise sure of course uh, new england's getting chock-a-block of uh, former d1 experience getting some coaching. Uh, we talked about earlier how Jim Calhoun almost in his first season got into the NCAA tournament himself. It, but it, is it – what's the recruiting like? I'm, I'm curious on that aspect because that's got to be very different than what you experienced. Uh, it, it's it's just – Emerson is such a unique school, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's unbelievable. Anything communications and marketing and, and in the film and, and theater industry, you can't find a better school in the country, mm-hmm. in the world, really. True. Yeah, true. And, so, I mean, we're able to go worldwide, really, nationwide, but we don't have a lot of the other filler majors where it's real specific. And um, so, and the academic requirements we're looking for is pretty unique. And to have a city campus where us, we're everything about being in the city. We are an absolute urban campus where we go up and we don't have the, like the big gated community. You know, our, 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 our great city of Boston is our campus. And, mm-hmm. I am biased being from here and been able to live elsewhere around the country, but but Boston's such a, a, a great city with so much to do that um, that is your campus, and you step out the the, the front door and you're you're in the, the middle of Boston, and you have the the Patriots parades going by, you get the Celtic parades. I mean, you're right in the heart of it, so it is fantastic from that standpoint. But um, it, it it's difficult with with, with everyone looking for certain different things this oh i want mm. that and so so it, it is a you got to really throw out a million fishing lines and chase everything down and try to find <laughs> that 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 kid that fits that emerson profile that makes sense uh that's certainly very common in division three especially up there in that neck of the woods too uh, a lot of schools have to have that consideration mit being down the road from you guys too has that consideration. Uh, really impressive that you guys get to the NCAA tournament here. I'm sure the campus is, is buzzing. There's a lot of excitement. Oh, it, it, it was incredible. Our president had tremendous support. I mean, I think they closed the doors at an hour and a half before the game. Wow. Uh, it sold out capacity the last two games. So, I mean, it was just special to, to have that. I love that we changed our, our playoff format to the highest seed and, and to have that, that kind of atmosphere for a college game, any game really, you just can't beat that, you know. And and having played at every level and all over the world, you know, when you get in these small little gyms and it's packed and you can feel the crowd and they're breathing on you, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that that that's what you want to play in. You don't want to go in these big sprawling gyms and you hear the ball bouncing and you hear conversations everywhere. You hear the echo. You know, this was right in there. You can't even hear yourself think because it's so loud. And it was just a tremendous atmosphere and. and the, the, the kids, the whole campus really supporting us, and, and I know the kids are, are loving it, and I'm just so happy that they got a taste of that. I, I'm impressive or interesting what you have to say, considering your, your D1 and NBA experience, that the, the, the tightness and the confines is something that you love. And by the way, we should remind people, you guys finished second in the conference standings. 
that I think that got glossed over with MIT being so dominant to a degree and Springfield not having the season everybody expected. You guys were there the whole time. Oh, we 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 know we play in a, a hell of a league. I mean, you got MIT, Springfield, Babson, WPI. Those, those schools are, are they're there every year. And Coast Guard, I mean, you you, you know every game's going to be a battle and there's mm-hmm. no easy like okay, well, just show up and, and you're going to get a victory. I mean, these teams are, are, are scratching and clawing, especially from those big four that, that that have been there year in and year out since we've entered this league. And so, I mean, it was tremendous accomplishment for us to, to, to really battle and, and to, to, to knock uh, a couple of those schools down a little bit and to get that second seed. So, I mean, we, we're just tickled about it and, and having so much fun. And it's really just another opportunity to compete. And, you know, we tell our kids it's like, you're gonna play in a great league. You're gonna you're gonna go to school in a great city, and and we're we're playing for titles. You know, we we might not have gotten there yet, but that's what you play the games for. So you know, you're gonna get a great education and a chance to play against the best competition in the country at this level. So you know, lay some up and let's go have some fun. Uh, I can't wait. You guys have plans tomorrow to see the the uh, the show, or do you, knowing Emerson's academics, is that maybe a little bit too challenging? Oh. Mondays, Mondays were scheduled for for 7 a.m. practices, so our kids are going to be in class from 10 to 10, basically. So we'll we'll, we'll try to get a couple kids around that that aren't in their class schedule and uh, sit down and watch it and, and have some fun with it. Well, if enjoy it nonetheless, and obviously enjoy it come uh, Friday, no matter where you end up being to play some games. Congratulations. Really appreciate your time. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guest or coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who uh, may be tuned in? Oh, just D3 basketball, a lot of fun. And then these kids, uh, they put a lot of time in. So best ticket in town. Yeah. Get out. That's a good way of saying it. Thanks so much for the time. Take care and enjoy the trip. Uh, Thank you. Bill Curley joining us from Emerson. Again, there might be 16 and 11, but they won the new Mac title, and that is something to uh, hang a hat on. We'll see where they are dancing come Monday. Speaking of which, who else might be in the tournament? The mock selections continue. We return to the team to find out the next wave of teams selected and who's now at the table to get in. You're watching the Hoopsville Special Mock Selection Sunday, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios and guests, of course, presented by Blue Frame Technology. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. 
The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back as the uh, men's selections continue to go on. I apologize to our women's bracket team because they're ready to go and we are running behind because it has just been that crazy. I swear we've been down this road before. I, 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 yeah, almost every year as much as we try and plan it out. All right, so we've made some more selections. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally bring the team in as we reveal which selections have made it to the board. I'm literally waiting for it to reset for me. And we now bring their crew back in as the selections are on your screen. We picked two teams in the break. We would really hoped to have picked two more, but it didn't happen. Um, or really one more, so we could have one more debate. But we got into the weeds on a conversation, which the committee's going to do. Our last two picks, our next two picks, were Wheaton out of the Central and then Salisbury out of the Mid-Atlantic. And I will tell you, I think Salisbury's in thanks to the first half of the season, not necessarily to the second half of the season. And now that brings us to the table. In the Atlantic, Ramapo. In the Central, Stevens Point. In the East, Brockport. In the Great, Great Lakes, LaRoche. In the Mid-Atlantic, Johns Hopkins. In the back-to-back -back crazy name teams. Uh, in New England, Eastern Connecticut. In the South Center. And in the West, Whitworth. And again, Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, and Mike Blaine joining us here to break this down. And gentlemen, unfortunately, we don't have hours upon hours like the men's committee has. We do kind of need to keep the push keep ourselves pushing forward but we've already started getting into the weeds using secondary criteria diving into the vrro conversation here and we literally probably have four different opinions yeah i think where we're where we seem to have whittled down is we there's some lower there's some sub 700 winning percentages on the board and what we did is we're trying to pick the best one of those to have and kind of eliminate the rest because we only have two picks so we're looking at we kind of got down to ramapo and Johns Hopkins, and we we believe that Ramapo has the better resume. I believe I'm speaking for the group. I know Dave is kind of on the Hopkins wagon here, but I think Ryan, Mike, and I think that Ramapo is the best sub 700. Are we? Am I saying that right, guys? I, I I'm not necessarily all for Hopkins. I'm just saying I think they have a better resume than it appears. They, they it's interesting because I made an argument off air about Ramapo that I think also applies to Hopkins. They've got a very nice win, does Hopkins, against Swarthmore. Unfortunately, they also have two losses to Swarthmore. That's my argument with, with Ramapo. They've got a very nice win against New Jersey City. Unf they took advantage of the home court, where they have barely lost ever. But 
they've also lost New Jersey City twice. And I think that 8-5 and five on Ramapo has gotten a little bit inflated. But that's I just wanted to point out that my, my Hopkins argument is also flawed by the Ramapo argument because both have similar general resumes that I think make it challenging. So, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've eliminated Wisconsin-Stevens point with two picks left. And we've eliminated Brockport. 6 is not, not good enough. And so we've got Ramapo in this sub-700 group. And then of the, the uh, above-700 group, and make sure I'm saying this right, guys, is we've kind of zeroed in on LaRoche with the 889. We like them over center, and we like them over Whitworth, and we like them over Eastern Connecticut. So we're kind of Ramapo, LaRoche, apples and oranges. Is that the, the two that's on the board, I think, for us guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's where we're sitting, and it's two very let different me, resumes. Let me go back and quickly remind everybody of something. We have always been told by the committee, and I shouldn't say told, but we have been able to kind of comprehend, understand, et cetera, is anybody who gets below a 700 winning percentage is in trouble um, because they're not out, but, it, but below 700, the committee starts going, well, geez, you're not winning a majority of your games. You get below 667, I'm not saying you're dead. Oshkosh proved a number of years ago that you can get in. However, I've said now for much of the season, that might have been the, the turning point in the SOS win-loss conversation. But this, so in, not, that, in that way, real quick, I'm, yeah. I'm of the mentality that 667 is in danger. 700 in between, you're, okay, you know, you're in the conversation. I think LaRoche is into this conversation here because they are significantly above that in a day and age now where that they're not being punished overly by the SOS, and they're not below 500 in the SOS, we should point out. Well, I think look, everyone on the board right here is in trouble, right? So that the, everyone, all, all these eight teams have a problem. Uh, so when I look at every year the last several years, there's been sub-700s that have gotten in every year. You know, so I think the last last year where there might have been two Springfield was one of them last year, I believe. Um, six sixty seven isn't that six thirty that Oshkosh had. I oh. think Rampo is very competitive. Look, look at LaRoche. LaRoche is no wins versus regionally ranked, and they have a five ten. So like they have issues too. Right. This, but the one thing I'll say about LaRoche that has changed, I think that can give us sense of what has changed this year in conversations I've had with people the non-conference conversation of what did they do in non-conference to overcome what is essentially a poor strength of schedule out of the conference. And I'm, I do wonder if the committee's looking at LaRoche going, geez, they went out and scheduled themselves a really tough non-conference. No, it didn't materialize itself necessarily in RRO data, but it certainly materialized itself in a good percentage, and they did well against it. And I'm just That's what I've been hearing for the last few weeks. And I think with LaRoche being as high as third in the regional rankings at one point and still, what, top four last week, I think that is that data is what is holding them in place. And that's why I, I just I find it interesting that maybe I feel LaRoche should be in at this point because I have this feeling that win-loss is going to drive the ship. And I go to the women here. The women tend to like the win-loss. I'm not saying the men will, but in a similar conversation here, LaRoche would have been in already. Yeah, and the I've, women have never used the metric. What what I'll say is, if this were last year, we'd put Ramapo in, no question, because we'd have that ratio, and it would just happen. Correct. Um, I agree with you. 
However, I think the fact that we're considering LaRoche here is giving that credence. And honestly, I went into our discussion initially thinking LaRoche would win that. But when we broke it down, um, I feel like, you know, Rambo Post non-conference schedule was not great. But I, I still think it was competitive with LaRoche. And they, they won some decent games. I mean, neither one has a really <laughs> stellar resume. But I, I, I tend to go Rambo here. And you know the one thing, obviously, as we as we break these teams down and, and get into the fine tooth comb, uh, the committee when when you're looking for those last you know couple teams or looking to place one team over another, a lot of times you're looking for one exceptional quality that might put someone over the top. Now, obviously, you know as as, as Bob alluded to, all the teams that you know you can make arguments for against every single team that's on the board. But is there one particular area where they really, really excel uh, that could that could provide a separating factor? And Laroche with you know 889 as a winning percentage uh, right now, there's nobody on the board you know in, in that ballpark as it stands. And that's a good argument. Completely agree. Yeah, I think that it comes down to two very different resumes and LaRoche's winning percentage <coughs> is a huge separating factor. I mean, 889. Now, I guess you could also argue that the eight, the eight wins versus regionally ranked and that the 13 total there, that is equally something that just jumps, leaps off the page. Yep. And, and so I, I guess we've always, We've always known that winning percentage is the first driver of this. Um, I just I struggle with the zero wins versus regionally ranked, but I could get I can get there on LaRoche, but boy, it doesn't. Well, let's be honest. Out. We put MIT in. This this is the uh, this is the spot two years ago where we were debating whether Oshkosh could get in with that stellar resume, we decided no, and the committee decided yes. I feel like if we're at the 19th spot, we just need to pick one, and we may be wrong, and if we're wrong yeah, at number no, 19, I'm, fine with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> one more quick thought. Um, you, you talked about the win-loss to some degree. I, I think, you know, 0-1 versus regionally ranked opponents, yeah, isn't great, but I think that, that, that high a win-loss, if this was Lancaster Bible a couple of years ago, they're in even worse shape, but we all thought they should, you know, it would have been an injustice, and they were in worse shape. Their SOS was not even close to this conversation. The fact their SOS is sitting at a 510 with that winning percentage, I just don't know if you can say LaRoche is out of this tournament. Yeah, I, I think I've been convinced. I think I'm switching to LaRoche in terms of my vote for next. Yeah, I'm probably still... And look, this we all have our biases. I'm I'm still of the the strong schedule, win a lot of games against teams like New Jersey City and Rowan that are in this tournament. I'm influenced by the fact I come from a league where you lose a lot of games against good teams and your your record is ugly at the end of the year. So I'm more probably just biased towards Ramapo. I can get on the LaRoche train, no question about it. So my I think what Dave said and the fact that they've made a lot of hay this year about not using that formula and the fact that LaRoche has been so high, um, maybe I would say Ramapo deserves to be in, but I kind of feel like LaRoche is where they're going to go. Well, and the other thing I'll say is, again, I agree with you, Bob, that you know you beat up, you get a win, that's great. My problem with Ramapo is for every win, 
we've got at least a, a loss to that same opponent in conference, if not two. And I think that hurts them. Their best wins out or their resume out of conference is what? One and one? A win over Yeshiva and a loss no, to it, Gordon. It's no, it's three and zero. Oh, oh out I of apologize. Conference. It's five and five in conference. Oh, three okay. And thank you. That's pretty good. Uh, but no, because Yeshiva's at the bottom. It may not even stay regionally ranked. They may still keep the data, but they may not even be regionally ranked at the end because they lost today and they're out of the tournament. I, I, I think Ramapos. It's just I feel I feel better with Laroche just in my thought. So who are we? I'm voting Laroche. Dave's got LaRoche. What do you guys think? By the way, I have somebody named uh, It's Puddin' Time saying the last regional rankings had – he thinks Mount Union should be in this conversation. says Mount Union was behind LaRoche, and that's before Mount Union went to the finals. LaRoche crashed out. LaRoche was in the championship game today. They didn't crash out. They, were in the, they, were, they, they did the same thing Mount Union did. Who did so, Mount Union lose to in that OAC title? Uh, Baldwin-Wallace. Um, and LaRoche right, Baldwin-Wallace. Yeah, so right. He, I think LaRoche probably probably is regionally ranked ahead of Mount Union. We have to say probably because we don't know. Yeah. That's the tough thing about what we're doing is we um, don't know where that landed. But I think well, LaRoche a, a sneak peek that I got about the Great Lakes had LaRoche ahead, but that was obviously before we knew what LaRoche did today. So that's hard to say. Um, this person continues, says Mountain Union's getting trashed based on one number rather than looking at the entire resume. I don't think the committee will do that. But Mount Union's been behind LaRoche looking at the entire resume up until this point. So we also have to understand what has been the trend. Yep. And the trend is to keep Mount Union behind LaRoche. So I'm sticking with my feeling that LaRoche stays ahead of Mount Union. I can get on the uh, – the, I, I, my vote would be Ramapo, but I think that – I think, like, consensus-wise, I think we're at LaRoche. And, look, Mount Union will hit the board and that we'll get a fighting chance Correct. in 20 Good at this point. point. Oh, yep, by the right. way, OAC versus AMCC isn't part of the conversation. This is to the person who's trying to pretend that. Anyway, all right, so we're going to select LaRoche. Is that correct? Yep. I don't want to jump the gun there. Okay. Um, all right, so that is in. I'm going to take them off the Great Lakes board. It puts Mount Union in. Luckily, I have them from earlier when we thought LaRoche was going to be in anyway. Um, can someone double-check their SOS number for me? It's five ten, I believe, is what I'm seeing. It's okay. The Roach is eight eighty nine five ten zero and one, I believe. All right. They and it was five two when the day started. So to me, there's a look. There's a difference between five zero two and five ten. The five ten yeah. helps. I think it makes it look better. As much as that's a small little number. All right, last pick here, gentlemen. We probably should get this one done and dusted so we can move on to women. Not that you need to. Um. I know this is going to be hard, but let's see if we can hash it out. Um, I'll put Mount Union on the board and hit refresh here on the pool C thread so everyone can see there. So I think based on our previous discussion, Ramapo is still in the conversation. And then I think we're at center and maybe eastern Connecticut. Yeah, I think we eliminated all the sub uh, 700s except for Ramapo, so we don't need to look at any of them except Ramapo. I would say all the the plus 700s though are in this conversation. Yeah, so that would be choosing between Eastern Connecticut Center and Whitworth. Um, Center and Whitworth have very similar resumes. I feel like Center is is in a better spot there with the extra win. Um, 
Whitworth's three regional losses are all to Whitman. Right. Yep. Their one win so is against Hopkins, we think. The we one is against Hopkins. The Which one would win is Hopkins. shockingly remove Hopkins from this conversation of removing Whitworth because wouldn't – well, not that head-to-head would eliminate him. Let's be honest because we've seen a couple such scenarios where a head-to-head hasn't necessarily trumped the conversation, but they're so close that I think it may trump the conversation. Right. So, uh, head-to-head is usually one of those you know really fine-tuned details – Nitty gritty, you know, secondary, really deep dive criteria that they're looking for because there's been many times, you know, in regional rankings where, uh, especially on a, you know, maybe you know, when you're ranking teams in a region and they've only played each other one time, you know, they, they'll have a one team with a head to head record, you know, with a win, but the other team has a significantly better overall you know, uh, presentation over the course of the season to that point where you'll still go against the head-to-head win and go with the overall body of work while still waiting for that second piece to come around, when com- especially comparison, comparing two, two conference teams that may have only played one time and, and not twice yet. So just uh, I looked up the, the numbers for center just to, to know their loss is to Augustana, um, and their win is actually over Washington and Lee, which is probably why they stayed ahead of Washington and Lee in the regional rankings. Agreed. Yep. Yep. And the funny thing is I thought WNL was going to be in a pretty good shape in this you know, at large opportunity, but I, I, and I think Bob thought the same thing earlier today. And and I'm, you know, kind of even surprised myself that I've now got them in a situation where I don't think they make the tournament, which by the way, just for the record, absolutely um, incredible season for WNL. Um, I'm biased. The last name of the coach is McHugh, but, but beside the point, uh, no, I'm really impressed with what they've done. And Yodak's really come along uh, this year. The ODAC was fun to watch. We, met, we mentioned the regional rankings, and we have uh, center regionally ranked ahead of Washington and Lee, which sounds right, head-to-head win. Um, honestly, though, if Washington and Lee was on the board right now with 704, 543, 5-5, five five, I, uh, I would really like them here, but they're not on the I – li- I like their resume better than center's. <laughs> Except for the uh, win-loss. I'm still in the center yeah. camp, but I understand what you're saying. So I – I feel like we, and this some of it was off the air, we broke down Eastern Connecticut's um, regionally ranked teams a bit off the air earlier um, and just felt like that that was not a really strong schedule. Um, I agree. Despite their SOS, that, that they didn't have a lot of signature wins, even the way that Ramapo does. Um, to me, I feel like we're deciding between Ramapo and center here. Does that sound fair to you guys? Well, let me just ask, do we have center ahead of Whitworth? I think we do. Does everyone have center ahead of Whitworth? I do. Yes. I do. So then I think we have and we have center ahead of Eastern Connecticut. I think so. Yep. I think I do. And, yeah. Now we haven't talked Mount Union just hit the board. So 786, 512, 5 and 4. Do we have center ahead of Mount Union? I that, that that's a good conversation to be had. I think that's a discussion, yeah. So to me, the one we don't see is their non-conference SOS is terrible. It's 431. They didn't hmm. really play anyone outside of their conference. That's going to hurt them. Um, That's going to really their, hurt them. Yeah, most of their regionally ranked opponents are, are in their conference. So these five wins, does anyone have who the Mount Union's five regionally ranked wins are all against? In, all in conference, I believe. I'm looking that up right now. They have regionally ranked wins against. Uh, it's all in conference. So is Baldwin Wallace ranked? Do we think they're in there? 
Never win against Capital. Capital's in the tournament. We put them in. In the tournament's not necessarily criteria, Bob. You lost to Capital. Baldwin Wallace is regionally ranked and and should be in the final regional ranking. Yeah, they're 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 ranked. One and two against Baldwin Wallace. They lost to Capital. They lost. They're one and one against Marietta. Split with Marietta. Split with Cap. Split with Capital. Wow, I think Mount Union is a, a pretty solid case, you know. Here, I'm not saying that that's my my pick or anything, but I think they have a pretty solid resume. I don't. I wouldn't pick them over Ramapo at this point. Seven eighties, yeah. I got four more wins. Their their in conference is similar, but their out of conference is really bad. And Ramapo oh, played a no. decent out of conference schedule. Wow. Oh. Four more wins, three less losses for Mount Union. Mount yeah. Union is 22 and 6, right? Yep. Okay. To win 18 and 9. They're both, RROs are based on conferences, basically. Though Ramapo's 3 and 0 in non conference, not that that is a specific criteria point, but just as a reference point. Um, I think so. I just for the record, if we're eliminating Whitworth, we've eliminated Hopkins, we've eliminated Brockport, and we've eliminated Stevens Point. But just because I know there's people listening, Bob or somebody, can you please present your case as to why we eliminated Stevens Point? Yeah, we we just felt like that 700 winning percentage was kind of a Mendoza line, and when you get below that, that's really difficult. And so we 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 felt like we needed to pick the best sub 700 and compare them against the the, the 700 plus. We felt like Ramapo, 667, 569, 8 and 5 was the best when we stacked it up against Stevens Point, Brockport. Um, and so at that point, because of the number of picks left, we just we decided that Ramapo was the only sub 700 that we would entertain at this point. And we should point out somebody pointed out that Ramapo is an 8 and 5 results versus regionally ranked opponents. Let's remind everybody again this is not a total number game necessarily, it's not a winning percentage game. And when we were looking at it, eight and five, they were five and five in conference. For every significant win, they had one or two losses. Uh, New Jersey City is an example of that, which muddies that results versus regionally ranked opponent data. One of their wins is against Yeshiva. Another's against. Was it? Did they beat Gordon? Yes. Thank they beat you. Yeshiva, I, I they just, beat my brain Gordon just fried. And they beat Farmingdale State. And Farmingdale State, which mm, isn't really conversational starters so they're one game out of conference in vrro that is significant is gordon otherwise that data is really muddy well and gordon's in the same spot in the northeast that yeshiva and farmingdale are and I, I think the tricky thing about this is again this is this we're we're influenced by conferences we follow closely is uh, the NJAC that ramapos is a very good conference we would all agree with that it's very competitive there's teams in the NJAC that that are in the tournament. And the thing is, when you play a double round robin, like you're going to lose games. Like when you go to a good team's floor, you're going to probably get beat. And it, we can't uh, we can't look at that like that's a, a check mark against them necessarily. It all plays out in the numbers. But I don't think, Dave, we can say, well, they lost to whoever it was they lost to. I mean, of course they did. That's what happens in good conferences. That's just kind of I, I look. Oh, I at don't Ram- disagree, but my point is I, I don't want to sit there and say, "Oh, they have a win over New Jersey City," 
and then forget they have two losses. That's right. my point. Is and I think as much as I get that in a conference you're gonna you're gonna eat eat each other up to some degree. I I just don't feel like we should just hang the hat on the win when they've got two losses or they or the or the other losses cancels it out because I know the committee's looking at it that way. You know, I we've stressed that. Listen. Yeah, they got to win, but they also have the loss. I hear that often, and that's why I just want to make sure we understand that that is how that can get a little bit muddier. Right. Yeah. So are we still back to center versus Ramapo, or are we wanting to consider Mount Union in there? Yeah, this is, I mean, there's no right or wrong at this point. I no, think at this point, yeah. Center, Mount Union, Ramapo. That's right, yeah. Those are our three. There's no right or wrong pick at this point. I do think we've eliminated everyone, but I think we're center, Mount Union, and Ramapo. For argument's sake, because yeah. I was with this in the LaRoche case, so I'll just stay consistent. If that's the conversation, and because Ramapo's sitting at a 667, my opinion is I'm going with center at the 808. They've got a better SOS than Mount Union, the only caveat being the results versus regionally ranked. I want to go look at the non-conference SOS because I don't have those numbers. But right now, just to stay consistent with where I was in the last pick, I'm going to stay consistent and just say my pick would then be center. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be leading. Uh, I'd be in your camp, Dave, in terms of the uh, consistent. If, if you know, from year to year, obviously things change on any committee. You know, uh, you know, on based off of the information you're given. But usually, there's some level of consistency of of how you're going about. You know, tiering these teams. So. I would argue, like you said as well, if we just went with the strong uh, winning percentage to put LaRoche in the field, then that would also lead me towards uh, center in the field in the last in the last spot. So for me, uh, I felt like I was almost a coin toss between Ramapo and, and LaRoche last time. And I, I don't think center's resume is as good as, as LaRoche's. And I feel like I would tip towards Ramapo in this case um, I'm not sure that that 808 is quite good enough, given the rest of the resume for me. Yeah, I've heard often that at the end of the, the bubble here, like spots 19 and 20, you're kind of looking for maybe some differentiating factors. I think we went with one with LaRoche. We went with this this really outstanding winning percentage. I think the differentiating factor here is the, the Ramapos 569 and the 8 and 5 with a serviceable uh, winning percentage of 667. It couldn't be any lower. We wouldn't be talking about them. I kind of look at them as the that eight and five, both the eight and the 13 jump out to me. And I would I would be in the, the Ramapo camp here. We're, we're split two and two. That Just doesn't the record, do real quick, I'm, I'm now on the opinion to eliminate Mount Union from my conversation with the 458 non-conference SOS because that's going to be part of the conversation right now, and I think that kills them. I think the committee sees a 458 non-conference SOS and says, forget it. You know, if we're talking about going out there and, and making your non-conference somewhat of a conversation here, then they're dead dead in that. So in that case, I'm now back to the center Ramapo, at least in that scenario, and I'm still going with center now because that win-loss is so much significantly higher. And I think, Dave, it's your show. I think you break oh. the top. Oh, <laughs> that's how you're going to play this game? That's never worked in the past. It's two and two, and I think we're at a stalemate, and I, I think you have like a vote and a half. <laughs> Actually, the funny is I, I got a vote from, a, from, a, from Pat in the background, but it's based on non-criteria information. 
Uh. <laughs> so that would be, I think, Pat Coleman, the, the just, founder, the publisher, the guru. I think Pat would be a great tiebreaker. I yeah, his tiebreaker, Col- though, is based on trying to make a, a pretty bracket. And uh, I, I asked him, and uh, I... I it, I think what's really interesting, and by the way, we may get these wrong. We may get six wrong for all we know. I don't think that much. I'm just being extreme. With the change towards a new look, I, one thing I keep in mind this year, and I don't know if it's going to be accurate, was I remember a few times in the past on the women's side, we always went with the one that had a beefier resume, even though the win-loss wasn't so great. And it turns out the committee went with the win-loss. Mm-hmm. And so with this change from this metric that the men – might be able to say should have been using in the first place. Um, I have that in my head. Like, will they go towards the women in that case, that beefy record versus win-loss, win-loss gets the nod? That's just in my head. I don't know if it's accurate, but I know I remember one year where we missed two or three on the women's side, and that literally was the deciding factor. But again, committees changed, so I don't want to rest my laurels there. But that's been in my head. I don't know where that means. But there you go. We should probably wrap it up. So um, any any final changes, any final thoughts before we just pull a, pull the ripcord on something here? Yeah, we're Ramaphosa well, Center, and we need a pick. So my, my thought is we could split the difference both ways. We picked one SOS team. Let, let's pick one with a different criteria or one winning percentage. Let's pick an SOS here at the end. Dave, what do you think? I, I'm still leaning towards center. And I, I, I freely admit, I may be completely wrong on this one, but I, I feel center. Well, what did Pat say? He hasn't replied since I threw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> you should hold a, a promotion for the listeners, like who, so, whoever wants to pick the final team. So I don't know if I'm if I'm speaking out of turn here, but I can see in real time the bracket that Pat is working on, where he has in italics penciled center into it so why don't we go that direction all right that's a great way to do it <laughs> i can get behind center i just think we're at a stalemate and yeah, we'll we'll know tomorrow how i like so, i don't know how to yes solve this one so bob we can pick center and if ramapo is in you can hold it over our heads the way that i continue to hold oshkosh from two years ago over your heads for overruling me Pat that's still true on center yeah, That's- you can say that, Ryan, but we also knew that that was so far to the extreme that it basically broke the system. Yeah, I did say it, though. <laughs> and and I think we alluded to that earlier, Dave. You mentioned about committees changing and personnel changing. And so, you know, this is this is kind of the fun of it on our end. But you also don't know from year to hey. year, you know, what what uh, what, you know, what members are going to, you know, emphasize more things. Some members like the beefier schedule. Some people, members like, you know, a, a high winning percentage. And, and it's hard to it's hard to to game out who's in the room and, and who's uh, who's got what thoughts and, and, you know, what's influencing them and who they may have sway with. So let me let me just ask you, Mike, as someone who's been in this room, Ramapo's coach is on the national committee. He will not be on the call while they're discussing Ramapo, but the right. fact that he is on this committee has got to at least weigh on somebody's mind, right? Even if you don't talk about it and you try to leave it out of your head. Uh, well, we've been very fortunate. I, the two committee chairs <laughs> I had, um, you know, uh, Coach Vanderstreek from uh, Calvin and, uh, you know, Coach Trevino from uh, Chatham. Uh, I think. Uh, 
both those guys did a great job trying to keep things uh, as objective as possible. Um, you know, Coach Vanisterik, especially uh, being able to uh, try to bring his team to the table without influencing the decision. Uh, I think that a lot of it just, you know, I think anyone that's sitting on a committee does a great job and, and does an outstanding job of maintaining neutrality because I think there's so many great people in Division Three that really want to just – get it right and and get the best possible field, whether that's to their individual team's advantage or not. Uh, so I personally, in my experiences, I haven't felt that uh, that undue influence. Uh, you know, I think it, it allows a, a, a deeper level of perspective. Uh, having a member on a team who might be familiar with someone, uh, their own team or somebody in their conference or in their region. Uh, but I think the the members do a really good job of trying to keep it as as factual based as you possibly can, because especially at the national level, uh, it, it's hard to find those unifying factors. It's hard to find those things that will connect a team from Minnesota with a team from Virginia and a team from New Jersey, you know, with a team from Indiana. Uh, and so you, you, unfortunately, you're left with the brass tacks, the numbers uh, themselves, and uh, how how you own, how each individual members interprets those numbers. Uh, a lot of times will dictate you know where where our committee might go with it. One quick follow up, I'll say, is having talked to national committees for a long time. You have someone on the committee, they feel bad, but it doesn't sway them a darn bit. They they know it might be a rough conversation when they bring them back. Uh, I remember um, in the women's side, Catholics coach being off the call the entire time, and he knew the longer he was off the call, the more likely he was in, a, in the tournament. And it's tough, but I have yet to hear even a even a joke that someone being on the committee would have influenced him in any way. Uh, I Ryan, it's a good question. I, I, I'll give I you that. Thinking but about the the subconscious effect yeah, I still, of being I, on the phone with the person swinging yeah, you. I, I just don't. You know, the other thing, too, is Sam Atkinson in charge. Sam's a no-nonsense kind of guy with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. But who knows? Maybe we're dead wrong, or maybe I'm dead wrong. We'll see. But those are our picks for 20 out. Any final thoughts, gents, before i got to let you go? Because we were way past how long I thought this would take us. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've got a good, solid group here. I think this is going to be a great tournament. Um, you know, I'm interested to see the mock bracket and all that. There's some really tough decisions to be made now around uh, you know bracketing and hosting and um, I think there's an imbalance issue here with a lot of teams out in the West and Central. So it should be a fantastic tournament, and I can't wait to see the, the real bracket. Yeah, I think. I think. Oh, sorry. I think we. I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, and and kind of the uncertainty of this is you don't know where everybody finished up in the regional rankings, and that, that's really that's really the driving force in this, you know, regardless of how uh, outstanding your resume might be and how competitive you might be nationally. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this. If you're stuck behind somebody, uh, you may have a longer wait to get to the table. And it's unfortunate, but it's just kind of the nature of, of uh, you know, the regional uh, rankings process and structure. And so, uh, again, you know, as I talked about earlier, there's a lot more deserving teams, unfortunately, than there are spots right now. But, uh, you know, uh, you, ho you hope that, each member does uh, its part, and you know that they will, uh, to give us the, the best and most competitive uh, field that we possibly can. Ryan, any yeah, final I'm, thoughts? I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens. You know, it's always interesting. It would be great if we got them all right, but it's almost more interesting to me sometimes when we get one or two wrong just to see what the thought process yeah. is and decisions. So, hey, to, By the way, I don't think we've ever gotten any of the, all the men's right. 
I think we've missed one to two yeah. every year. I think in all the years I've seen people predicting these things, I literally haven't seen anyone get them all right. I think everyone's usually got like two wrong because at the end you just saw the process play out. I've never, I can't recall anyone getting all 20 or 21 right. Women's, really I think the only place we've gotten them right, and but that was a year or two that where we had very few upsets. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Mike, great to have you. Uh, warning you now, appreciate you are you. locked in for the future. Appreciate you letting me join up. Absolutely. Appreciate you uh, enjoying it with us. Guys, thank you very much. We'll talk to you later. In the meantime, quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from the Women's Committee Chair and so on and so forth. Thanks, gentlemen. And valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we can now switch gears, go women's basketball. About 30 minutes later than I really was hoping we would do it, but we will get going with that. We will be joined by B.J. Spiegelmeyer, Sports Information Director at DeSales. We'll also be joined by James Wagner, who is the um, Assistant Commissioner of the CSAC, and hopefully by D3Hoops.com's Gordon Mann. In the meantime, though, we will continue moving forward. Um, and 
we will first hear from the women's chair uh, talking about what we should know about their process and how things hashed out for them. I talked to Karen Harvey on Friday. Here's the interview I had with her. Now joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the committee chair for women's basketball in Division Three, Karen Harvey, who's also the head coach of Montclair. And thanks for taking the time on, on something a little bit different that we're trying this weekend. Um, first and foremost, hope you are well. Uh, yeah, Dave, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh. <laughs> it's finally the, the, the light is at the end of the tunnel to some degree. Granted, your work is not done. You'll work all the way through the tournament, clearly. But obviously, the most stressful, I would argue, work and, and the hardest work is this weekend. You may not see the light of day for several days. But how are you guys feeling? How are you feeling heading in? And again, reminding people we're, we're talking to you ahead of the weekend. How do you feel going into what is this final work, as it were? Yeah, you know, I think we're feeling pretty good. I think we're in a good position. We had um, a very long call on Wednesday. So that was our third ranking call. Um, and that call was just over three hours, um, which is, you know, in week one and week two, we're maybe at two hours. So this was a little bit longer call. And I think we ironed out a few things and, and really took a, a, a deep dive into a few com- matchups and comparisons and things that we know are going to be continued to be challenging. So just to get a feel and make sure that the entire committee is on the same page, um, you know, sort of looking in depth into those, knowing what we have ahead on Sunday. So I feel like we got a lot of really good work done on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So that will sort of help us moving into Sunday. What's interesting is we should point out to everybody who's not listening or who hasn't been listening or has been listening a little part you know, we talk a lot on the men's side about this SOS win-loss metric that they used for a number of years that they have you know, disbanded this year. The women, you guys never really got into that metric if memory serves me. Thus, we've really never talked about it. So you guys haven't had to reinvent the wheel to some degree. You, you, you've been working with the same way and improving on what you're doing over the number of years that you've been involved. Yes, that's correct. In my four years, we've been using the exact same criteria. Um, we have some improvements. I, I think the the introduction of the uh, non-conference mm. SOS secondary has actually been huge for us this year. Um, and I think that that has been one piece of information that has helped us, you know, when we're comparing two teams that are just deadlocked. And we have a lot of that going on right now. Um, so I think that non-conference, that secondary criteria, that non-conference strength of schedule has really helped us. Give us a sense of what you guys think with that number, because it's true on the men's side, too, that it's certainly coming to play. And I certainly, you know, from my reading the tea leaves, figure it's coming into play. How do you guys interpret that number in a general way? How do you how do you well, use think, it, I, I guess? Think, yeah, no, I think the way that we've been using it is so far, and I hope I put this correctly, but I think it just helps us look at their entire body of work. So. If two teams, if we're going at two teams and they compare win-loss is tight, SOS is tight, head-to-head is, you know, maybe they haven't played head-to-head and common opponents are there and their ranked wins are really close. It, it, and, and you cannot, like, we're like, oh, it's an edge here and an edge there. So then we say, okay, let's go in, let's look at the secondary. What are, what are they doing outside of their conference? Because as you know, Dave, lots of times teams can't, help their strength of schedule within their conference. Mm -hmm. But they do have the ability to schedule non-conference games. So I think it gives us like an idea of if there's a team that, 
you know, 24 and one and maybe has a lower strength of schedule, then we can say, well, what is this coach doing? What is this program doing outside of conference to try to help their resume? So then you can kind of go into that and say, hey, listen, guys, like they're not, they're, their regular strength of schedule might be a 512, but their non conference strength of schedule is a 600, which tells me that they're trying to go out and they're trying to play teams and they're trying to challenge themselves. So I think that's one of the ways that we've been using that and looking at that. And really to keep the conference from essentially punishing a team. And I don't mean that as harsh as that may come across. No. But there are right. conferences with either too many games, one could argue, or just a lot of teams that don't challenge themselves and their SOSs are pretty poor. Right, exactly. So it helps. I think it helps give us a full picture of that team mm. and what they're trying to do. And, you know, and, and there is some weight play to, you know, did you go out and schedule somebody? Mm-hmm. Did you try to pick up? Like, do you know that maybe you're in a conference that doesn't give you a high strength of schedule? You know, are you not playing in the UAA and the, and the next pack? And you know what I mean? Some of these have, I mean, UAA, you don't need to go out and do that. But there's other conferences where you might need to do that. And if you know that and you could say, hey, but you know what? They went out and they played these other three teams. And look at the, what their non-conference strength of schedule is. So mm-hmm. I think it just gives us another picture of everything that they're trying to do. And we should point out, again, secondary. So this is this is if you've secondary. gone through that primary and you're yep. stuck and you can't yep. make a decision, now you go to the secondary to help fill in the hole to some degree. Exactly, yes. That is after we cannot reach a decision in the primary. Let me give you a what if, because there's a couple of places I've spotted this so far, and I'm kind of curious. You you have two teams when you look at each other. Again, very, very interesting. One team might have a better win-loss. They've got a couple of head-to-head wins over that team, but the other team's got a much better SOS, uh, much better uh, other parts of their criteria. And as a result, despite the head-to-head, is ranked ahead. And that's all well and good. My curiosity comes with the results versus regionally ranked opponents. And, again, that's another way of looking at kind of the strength of somebody's schedule. If you have a scenario where both teams are ranked, they've played head-to-head, they have a couple of, of games against head-to-head opponents, do, would you remove that from the results versus regionally ranked to give yourself a better understanding of their numbers? Does that make any sense? Would you, would you just say, okay, th- that those two games, let's remove them from both because we've already considered it with the head-to-head. Right. Um, I don't know if we'd remove it, but, I mean, we do. We try not to double count, you know? Like, yeah, that's kind of where I, I was going. I think maybe what you're saying is, like, if I think this comes into play for me sometimes if we've already like awarded the strength of schedule, so to speak, okay. and then we say, yeah, but they have a bad loss or not a, you know, a loss under 500, mm-hmm. maybe where we're like, Ooh, that's not a great loss, but we've already like, we don't want to punish them twice. Like we've already given, you know, sort of mm-hmm. given the strength of schedule to the other team. So now we don't want to go back and say, you know, it's, then you're kind of hitting them twice, and I think that's what you're getting at. And we try not to do that. Well, yeah. great example would be a, a team is three and one versus regionally ranked opponents, but two of those wins come head to head. So, you know, are they uh, are they really three and one, or are they one and one? Because you're already considered the head to head advantage going to that team. Does that make sense? Uh, I now I know what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't say that we do that necessarily. Okay, that's fine. I, I guess that would be that's an interesting. That's an interesting concept. I, I don't think we've had a scenario where we have pulled those out of the wins versus okay. ranks, but we do break down the wins versus ranks. You know, we'll say, right. okay, they have wins over a one, a four, and a five, yeah. and you have wins over a six, a seven, and eight. 
So maybe we'll give a slight edge, you know, to the sure. team that has better ranked wins. Or they even played them, uh, let alone the win or loss. Right. right. Okay. That's right. helpful. I appreciate that. You're not necessarily changing that data, but you are understanding that data. So that's yeah. helpful. And that's, yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, we're not trying to change any of the data. We're just trying to understand the full picture that we're looking at and trying to dig into those numbers, especially when it's really close, but dig into those numbers and really understand, like, what does this really mean for this team? Like, what have they really done, you know, throughout the course of the season? And, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, Let's move on a little bit uh, because I don't want to take too much of your time or get too into the weeds. We'll, again, be talking to you on Monday, we hope, uh, after this is all said and done and and put to bed. But uh, when looking ahead at hosting and bracketing, your advantage in the odd years, you don't have to worry about what the men are doing in the opening weekend. You can go ahead and bracket accordingly and then let the men know what your plans are. That said, what is the overall goal for you guys when it comes to bracketing and hosting? What what do you hope to accomplish uh, understanding there could be some limitations? Right, and I think that that's one of the things that you know well, Dave, and I think sometimes people forget, you know, we do have those geographic um, restrictions, you know, so obviously after we select the 64 teams, then we start to break them out. And, you know, you do try to – we don't seed, obviously, mm-hmm. in Division three, but we do try to – you know, if we can place the four strongest teams in corners, I think we try to balance the bracket that way. Um, and, you know, and then we cluster or group teams based on natural geographic distance. Um, and you know what we're trying to do is come up with a fair bracket that looks good. You know that you look at it and you go, oh, okay. Hopefully, like someone can look at the bracket and go, I see why they did that. I see what they did with these teams here and how they spaced out. You know, we don't want all the, you know, the quote unquote number one teams on one side of the bracket. So we really do try to balance it, but we have guidelines that we have to follow. And then, you know, the other thing you take into consideration is just is you don't always know who put the bids in, mm. you know? So a lot of that depends on who has put bids in to host. Yeah. That always, <laughs> as we found out in the men's last year, is always a curveball, Or who right. put in and then maybe withdrew um, further. Right, exactly. So, you know, it could be like, oh, we want these guys, and they're like, someone's up in arms because someone didn't host, but they didn't put in a bid. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they didn't host, you know? Sure. No, it makes total yeah. sense. Um, yeah. Interesting. Another uh, interesting one I'm kind of curious about is: Do you have to consider the second weekend in terms of hosting? Because again, uh, the men will have the advantage there. Do you have to play the what if game a little bit, uh, or I, I know we have to play the what if game with flights, but I mean, do you have to play the what if game with hosting when you're putting that bracket together? That the men having priority could throw a curveball in there that would add flights or force you to a place that would add flights and all that. I think we definitely look at it. Okay. I mean, but don't you know? Obviously, you don't know. If, right. You know, you're, you're if obviously if it's a great tournament, there's some upsets, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Right. Exactly. But, but we do, you know. Obviously, we do try to look at it and see, like maybe how that might play out. And then the men, obviously, we the second weekend, like you said, is the men hosting priority. So um, I think it makes the the first bracket that we're going to do a little bit easier because the women have priority this year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, certainly. I think it'll it'll be like we said helpful the the first weekend go around. Um, 
have you noticed anything already that you guys see as challenges? And I'm not asking for specifics, but generalities. Like, yeah, we may have a lot of teams in the Central, or we may have a, a, a huge collection of teams in the Northeast, and, and breaking them up may be a little challenging. Well, and I think traditionally speaking, we know that the Northeast is challenging. Sure. True. Um, that I think that will remain a little bit true this year. I mean, you know, you you know this if you're looking at the teams, you know, the top mm-hmm. teams. So, um, you know, we obviously know that we're going to have that challenge and try to come up with a way to balance the bracket a little bit. Um, other than that, honestly, I think right now our our main focus is not bracketing. You know, right now right. I think. Well, you know, we're really trying to make sure we get these teams ranked properly because that is the that is the critical step in selection. And if we don't, and we've talked we talked a lot about it on Wednesday, is we really got to make sure that we get this right because mm-hmm. you know you don't want to end up with a team on the board that can't get off. And you know, cause we obviously feel responsible for that. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. How much are you guys also adjusting what your racks bring you? We, we preach to everybody that the racks are unofficial, that they're just advisory to you, that you guys mm-hmm. adjust. Do you guys, are you always tweaking what the racks bring you or have the racks been pretty on point for you guys this season? I think the racks have been doing a great job for us this season. There's always a tweak. There, not, I don't want to say always. Sometimes there is a tweak or two. Um, and, you know, it just depends region to region. But I have to say, most of the regions have remained, you know, pretty true to what the racks have given us. I think we've got some great people right now. I mean, uh, the chairs, our, our national committee folks are doing a tremendous job in their regions. So it, it, it's we're getting a lot done before it even gets to us. And you can tell how strong your committee members are by how, you know, well those rankings play out and make sense. That, you know, when you're going through the Northeast and you, you don't have any questions, uh, I mean, you know, or very few questions. Yeah. That's that's pretty tremendous. You know, so we've got really strong committee members. And I think that's helping us. And I know just, in, you know, in my rack, it, it, I have a, a lot of new, I only have one returning member in the Atlantic region on my rack, but my rack is crushing it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, really, I'm so happy that they're really doing a tremendous job. So I think that, I think everyone's working pretty hard. I think we've got a great group of, of coaches and administrators and, you know, and everyone trying to do a really good job. Anything you think is, is, is worth inf- uh, reminding people before we let you go? Um, oh, geez. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think the, I think the reminder is maybe is we want to get this right. Like we want to get this right. Like we stay up hours and hours and hours and hours and hours because we absolutely care that we get this right and we have no agendas outside of just doing right. And I think we remember every day that this could be our team mm-hmm. and our players. And you don't forget the faces behind these names. And, and you know, that's what I try to remind myself. I, I had a phone call with someone uh, talking to me about rankings that just came out, you know, and, and, and it was a great conversation, but just reminding them like, Hey, I get it. I, my team plays in this tournament too. I totally understand, mm-hmm. you know, where they're coming from. But we know that this affects, you know, it's all about the players and their experience, and that's what this is all about, you know. So I think that we're all acutely aware of that, and we really do our best. Well, and to be blunt to some degree, you have to make a hard decision that's not going to please everyone. And second yeah. of all, some people need to, again, being blunt, have to understand the landscape better and better position themselves. 
Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think that can, sometimes can come into play. Yeah, I have a feeling some people don't fully understand that sometimes, and and sometimes, unfortunately, it takes a rude awakening. Um, but we all know that you, you got to cut the line somewhere. We can't have everybody in the tournament that we'd love to have. Right, only sixty-four teams get in. So <laughs> right, you know. Uh, well, I appreciate the conversation as always, uh, and and look forward to seeing what you guys bring to the table. Uh, obviously, we'll look forward to talking to you on Monday as well. And uh, good luck, and try and stay sane, Karen. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Dave. I appreciate it. Karen Harvey, head coach of Montclair State, of course, chair of the Women's National Committee, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. So there you heard from Karen Harvey, a little bit of a, a sense. It's something new we haven't done on this show before, hearing from the committee chairs right before we get into our mock selections. I have no idea if the men and women are still continuing. I have a feeling the men certainly are because they had to wait till the game ended at almost 8 o'clock Eastern time. On the women's side, they may have been able to get done a little bit sooner, though they had a delay in games there, too. Though the women tend to work a little bit later than the men. Um, we should point out Karen Harvey is uh, not in Indianapolis for varying reasons. Uh, certainly up to her. But Sam Atkinson on the men's side is in Indianapolis. He tweeted out a picture earlier of the setup. I'm actually kind of jealous. <laughs> it's a heck of a setup. Multiple screens and everything. So we will uh, hear from both of them on the Bracket Breakdown show on Monday. Um, when we come back, we will bring in our esteemed colleagues to start breaking down the women's mock selections i have a feeling we'll go a little faster than the men just because the women's tends to be a little bit more cut and dry but nonetheless if you got questions for us you can tweet us at d3 hoops or hashtag hoops you can always email us dave.mcue at d3sports.com or those chat rooms we had almost 300 people watching during the men's selections we appreciate it we'll see what we do with the women We're watching hoops back with more after this big shots big dunks this trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. 
The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division 3. I'm a Division 3 student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Selection Special. Uh, we are making mock selections. We're finally done and dusted with the men. Took longer than expected, but it was fun nonetheless. I want to thank Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, as always, and Mike Blaine for joining us, head coach at Madai. He had a number of years of experience on the rack, and it certainly helped us get a new appreciation for the work that they do and the decisions that they make. Now time to switch women. Just got done talking to uh, hearing from Karen Harvey. We will be joined by our good, esteemed colleagues. I will warn you now, you're going to hear a voice but not see that voice. Gordon Mann is joining us, and now on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, so is James Wagner, who's on the left, and B.J. Spiegelmeyer on the right. James the, is the assistant commissioner. Unless I want, you want me to give you a, a, a bump, I can, Wags. No, assistant is fine. Okay, so assistant commissioner at the CSAC. B.J., sports information director at DeSales. Of course, Gordon Mann at D3Hoops.com. He is there, folks. I'm actually going to try and find a way to sneak a picture of him into this into this graphic. Um, gentlemen, we have already started kind of talking about this, kind of making some changes with regional rankings from last week. I'll admit, I think we're going to miss on a few because I think they may have made more changes than we did. But to be honest with you, that's where it really gets into the minutiae. Um, that said, uh, we also decided we already know we got to start with Pool B, and I, I don't think we've ever had a, a more common-sense Pool B selection in our time. It is Thomas Moore because, well, they haven't lost. Go ahead, guys. You know, just don't don't worry about uh. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They haven't lost. They're twenty-seven and zero is pretty pretty good, you know. So that's pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Agree. Yeah, last year we were looking at Valley. We were trying to find a team that was above 500. I think we only had one in Valley Forge. Yeah. Uh, I think yes, was it yesterday or today? Thomas Moore beat Valley Forge by 50 points. So that yeah, tells you think, how yeah. far <laughs> that tells you how far we've come. And I would yes. expect when the last poll comes out before the tournament, uh, Thomas Moore will be number one in the country with Bowden losing today. So uh, doesn't get any easier than that. Agreed. Um, and an incredible season that they had, I should say, too. They really went out there and scheduled the heck out of themselves. Gordon, have you? I can't think of a time we've seen a barnstorming team like that ever in Division Three. No, I, I, the only thing I can think of that's that's even slightly parallel is is Wesley College in football when they were an independent mm. for a couple of years and didn't have a conference. Good they would call. they would schedule whoever they could, uh, and they played a lot of games. Uh, some low-level D1 t schools, some D2, and some really good D3 schools, and almost always on the road. Uh, yep. And Thomas Moore, actually, their football team did that a little bit this year. You know, good reference. I totally, I, I totally forgot about Wesley, but that was a really good reference point. As we have a picture now of Gordon Mann in a nice suit on our broadcast. 
See, I dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> he absolutely did. Um, all right, gentlemen. So we now start basically with um, um, the next teams at the table and a couple decisions that we made that changed things from the last, for example, the Atlantic. We pushed Mary Mount ahead of Mount St. Mary. Does anyone want to quickly explain why we made that move? Uh, I think just because they won their conference tournament this weekend um, and they don't get an automatic bid, which is why they're on the board, because it's a new conference. And we just rewarded them for going 2-0 and this week since their their uh, resume was nearly identical with Mount St. Mary's. We just gave them the bump because of their um, winning the conference tournament this weekend. Yeah, they pick up. If, if it's going to change, it's because Mr. or excuse me, Mount St. Mary uh, – dropped a game into a regional opponent, assuming that Merchant Marine stays in, which they should, and uh, and uh, Marion picks one up because they beat Cabrini. Yeah, one of those rare occasions where a team wins its conference and is sitting on the table for us. Uh, Marymount's going to, and that conference will deal <laughs> yeah. with it this year and next. Um, we didn't make any changes in the Central. Um, I will quickly actually put this on the board. Whoop, I have the wrong one up. There we go. We can put this on the board as it is now set. Uh, Chicago's our first team at the table for the Central. For the East, our first team at the table is going to be RIT. From the Great Lakes, uh, it will be Hope, who lost to Tryon in the conference tournament, but really one of, they were sitting next to each other. In the Mid-Atlantic, we're going with Gettysburg, who uh, surprisingly lost to Haverford in the uh, conference tournament. Uh, Nor- now, we went with St. Joseph's of Maine, and, and really this is because we made a move further down in the rankings. We feel Emmanuel with the win over St. Joseph's, is going to jump into the regional rankings in the Northeast, which suddenly makes St. Joe's go from nobody against regionally ranked opponents to two and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and remember, our, we I don't know if this was mentioned, uh, but the first the way this board would look when you start the at-large process would have Bowdoin, not St. Joe's. But we think the first two teams in without really any discussion are from would go right in front of St. Joe's. Right. So the Monks would be the third from the Northeast, but... Um, I mean, we are, we're assuming Bowden and Amherst go one, two. Right. Yeah, we should point out, we did make some selections. I guess I should put those on the board, too. We did make some quick selections um, because, yes, uh, believe it or not, Bowden, who lost in the conference tournament, um, has been – I can't believe they lost in the conference championship game to Tufts, but they uh, were taken off the board, and then we immediately took off uh, Amherst as well. So I, I guess I jumped the gun there a little bit. Uh, so Bowden and Amherst are our first two picks, no surprise. Does anybody want to make an argument for a couple of more picks real quick to, to remove from the conversation, as it were? Go ahead and jump in whenever, guys. I'm leaving it wide open for you. <laughs> Go ahead, Gordon. I think Chicago's probably next off the board uh, with the eight that we have. Uh, we have the other two regions that we have. We have the South, we have Mary Harden-Baylor, who's the number one team in Loris, who had the three teams in front of them, uh, St. Thomas, Wartburg, and George Fox, all win their conference tournaments. So, with that, with that in front of us, I think Chicago, uh, Chicago, and RIT. Oddly enough, because they're a team that hasn't really had a national profile since they lost a bunch of games, um, but Chicago picks up a ton of regional uh, games because of of a really tough non-conference schedule and all those games they won in November and December against Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton and everybody else they played, uh, even though they didn't have a fantastic UAA season, 
they've got a really good strength of schedule. Um, they're two games above regionally ranked. And whether you go Chicago now or RIT now, they're both going to begin. You know, we're nowhere near the end of the bubble here. Good point. Does anybody have a counter argument to that? No, I, I 100% agree, and I would take Chicago right now. Yep. All right, so Chicago in. Congratulations, Chicago. Not that that's a real surprise to any of us, um, but congratulations nonetheless as we see them enter the, the bracket. Um, we will update that here momentarily. Now, Gordon, you made an argument for RIT. We should point out, and I'll update this in a moment, folks, Chicago will be replaced by Wheaton at 21-7 and seven, uh, in their D3 record, 560 SOS with a 3-4 results versus regionally ranked. Um, RIT is an interesting one at 20-7. and seven. Uh, Their SOS is a 573, I think, which really makes it interesting. I'm just curious, does Hope at 23-4 and four go in over RIT? Or, or Gordon, do you think that... That SOS and results versus just is too strong for RIT. Yeah, I think unless the the committee starts looking at who they played here and says, well, you know, Hope lost their four losses are, uh, what is it, three to Trine and one to Osh? No, not was it Oshkosh? Uh, somebody else. Hope's fourth losses, too, and you know, RIT's six wins are probably over a collection of teams in their own conference. Vassar and Ithaca were both ranked. Um, so unless they start getting into who they beat, I would say RIT is probably the pick here, just numerically speaking. Anybody yeah, else? I would agree with, with no, I would agree with that. With five seventy three and six regionally ranked wins, that's that's a pretty good resume. BJ. Yeah, the only thing, like Gordon said, hopes four losses are three to Trine, oh, and Thomas and Moore. Rose, Thomas Moore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're gonna get that theme a little bit tonight. So you know their their resume is is very very good. Um. And they're pro, they're both probably getting in. It's just a matter of who's before who. All right. So who do you guys want to take for? I think we probably go RIT because of the yeah. okay. higher strength of schedule and more ranked wins versus regionally ranked opponents. Very nice. Uh, table does need to be updated, folks. Bear with me as I uh, we do this a little bit on the fly. Um, very good. So we've got two more picks down. I'm sure we can bang out a couple of more. Anybody want to make a, a stab at who's next? We should point out, by the way, RIT Vassar will replace them at the table uh, with their data. Um, we'll get that onto the system in a second. And in the central, as we mentioned, Wheaton is at the table. Who would like to take the first shot at the gate on that one? Okay. I kind of still like the resume that um, Hope is bringing to the table. Yeah, with we could say we give the three losses to the same person. I mean, you know, still so the SOS, but at least you're going out and playing them, and you know, you take those three away. Anybody else uh, have a, a better candidate? Maybe that's sitting out there. No. I <clears throat> right about now, it looks to be <clears throat> it's going to be start to get harder now because everyone's starting to become a little bit more equal. True, but I think if you dived into it deeper than the numbers that you're staring at, Hope's losses are very impressive. Probably the most impressive on the board. Yep. Yeah, interesting point. Um, I agree with you on that. Gordon, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, looking at these teams. 
it's just hard not to put them in the context of what they've done all year, right? So Vassar's third place in a slightly better than average conference and Hope is one of the premier programs in the country. So I, I know that's not, that's not a factor at all. Um, you know, if I'm looking just at the numbers here, just at the numbers, I might go Wheaton with the highest strength of schedule and uh, three and four uh, regionally ranked. So one's you know, half step better than Hope. Um, I think that's the team with the best numbers. Again, we're on pick four, so it probably doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> if you want to go hope here, that's probably fine too. I don't know how much four and three helps Gettysburg over three and four for Wheaton. Um, you know, yeah, I could, I could definitely see an argument for Wheaton um, before Hope. I mean, their losses are to Thomas Moore, Chicago, Oshkosh, who are all not no flashes to the Hope losses, right? Yeah. Also lost to Augustana and Illinois Wesleyan. Um, so maybe we go Wheaton because of the strength. The schedule's a little higher. They have one more win over a regionally ranked opponent. I'm okay with that. All right, so we're going to go Wheaton. Me likey. I, I, is that correct? I, I said that right? Yeah, I believe so. Me likey or Wheaton? Wheaton. Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Um, all right. I'm just... Updating multiple graphics at the same time, so if people are wondering what's going on or why I'm being quiet. I also trust these guys, which is probably uh, our death nail, but we'll go with it. Um, so that puts Whitewater on the board. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's where I was looking for next. By the way, Whitewater getting absolutely thumped by Oshkosh today. Yeah, Whitewater on the board with nine regional losses, and I, I, I think that's right. I mean, the only other teams... They beat lacrosse this week, so there's no reason they would get jumped. And I, you know, Benedictine is a weird case because they weren't eligible for their conference tournament, uh, right. and they have a, you know, a really bad strength of schedule anyway. So it really doesn't matter. Um, so, but Whitewater gets on there with nine regional losses, and that's that's tough to do this early in the process. We're we're five picks in. So. I agree with you. Yep, they have, but they do have a 600 strength of schedule and six yep. wins against regionally ranked opponents. Yep. That may be higher than anyone else on the board the rest of the night. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, point. I mean, the, the question is, does we know well, for the central region, uh, they have put that's, – that's why those they are ranked as high as they are, despite the fact that they have nine – you know, now nine losses and right. eight coming into the week. The question is, will the national committee see it the same way? Will they be mm – -hmm. Which side of the of those two? Which of those two columns will they focus on? I no, apologize. I Fans are probably wondering what's going on. I will get Wheaton into the system, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> so I think we've we've talked about Hope the last three picks and haven't put them in. It's probably time that they go in. I agree. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning that way. I think Hope's resume is is going to get them in at 23 and four. Really good season. Two and four versus regionally ranked again. Trying kind of being the, the juggernaut there, but I, I, I'm of the opinion of, of Hope being there, too. Mm -hmm. Any uh, any Anybody against that would be the better way of asking that. No. All right, so we'll put them in. All right, so uh, by the way, we have a couple of interviews I should point out that we will run in this show, and we'll probably, probably at a good point here maybe of getting one of them in. Uh, we got a chance uh, earlier today uh, to talk to two teams that are dancing in the tournament for the first time. Rosemont women's basketball coach Rain Reber will join us upcoming. And Lyle Jones from Bethany Lutheran. Gordon, uh, real quick before we go, 
into the segments, but both obviously getting uh, at larges, and we'll be nice about um, about uh, Rosemont because Wags is on the call. But Bethany Lutheran, Gordon, they stopped a heck of a run by Superior this season, who had what a fifty-six game non-conference winning streak. Yeah, it's, the uh, Superior joined the conference four seasons ago. It wasn't until January of their, whatever you want to consider that, their third and a half season that they lost <laughs> to Bethany Lutheran in the regular season, then almost lost to Northwestern in the uh, in the semifinals, and then did lose to Bethany Lutheran. So the Vikings into the tournament for the first time, and the first time in a long time that somebody other than Superior represents that conference. Yeah, really amazing. Uh, gentlemen, if you don't mind, then I think we'll uh, take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from... Uh, the aforementioned head coach, and we'll do work behind the scenes to maybe bang out a bunch of more picks as well. Uh, so we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got plenty more ahead, including a chat with Rosemont women's basketball coach. Both Rosemont teams in. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Rain Reaver, the head coach of the Rose. 